everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and today we are talking about a couple movies but we're also talking about Spider-Man. This is a conversation that some of you may have probably heard already but some of you maybe haven't heard and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to recap the big news that happened today um, and then kind of just give you some brief thoughts of mine. Hopefully it doesn't last too long as um, I'm sure... We all just kind of want to move past this and uh, wait in uh, in anticipation for this new movie. So, um, as it stood at like 8 a.m. this morning, maybe even a little sooner, uh, Spider-Man, uh, which is produced or oh, technically owned by Sony, there's Marvel licensed out the rights to Spider-Man to Sony way back when. So Sony has the only, they're the only people that can make Spider-Man movies. As you guys are all aware, they made a deal with Marvel to have them co-produce a couple of films. Initially it was going to be Homecoming, or it was uh, the intro in Civil War of his introduction, and then Homecoming, and then they moved things forward a little more, or they they pushed the the deal that they had between uh, Marvel and Sony, which then included both of the cameos, or I guess just appearances, in Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, and then one final movie, which was Spider-Man Far From Home. And so after Spider-Man Far From Home came out, that movie did really well. It actually ended up being the highest grossing movie that Sony has ever made. Which, uh, and along with that, the prior Spider-Man movie did really well too. Along with, obviously, you guys know how well Infinity War and Endgame did. So regardless, Spider-Man is big. And so after Spider-Man Far From Home came out and did so well, everyone was wondering, oh, you know, what the status is going to be. Because at that time, the the contract that Sony and Marvel had essentially was, was over. And so everyone's thought at that time was, wow, Spider-Man is doing such a good job and has essentially kicked ass in every movie he's been in. Uh, Sony would be crazy to not... Uh, renew, uh, so to speak, their contract with Marvel, or to not continue making movies with Marvel, because um, a lot of you could probably argue that many of the reasons why the Spider-Man movie was so successful was obviously it was a better movie than the other Spider-Man movies. Um, you know, and yeah, I guess you could probably argue that yeah, Spider-Man Two or the first Spider-Man was either just as good or better than these. I don't think I would, though I probably need to rewatch those movies. But they, the, the Spider-Man movies were a big part of my life. I've said this before, but Spider-Man was my Spider-Man is and was my favorite superhero. He was the first superhero that I ever knew. Besides, you know, you're you always knew about Batman, sort of thing. But for me, I, I fell in love with Spider-Man because I related a lot to him. So I really loved the movies. I saw all the movies in theaters. And uh, so when I saw these new movies, I loved them even more because my big thing that I didn't like about the prior Spider-Man movies, I keep saying Spider-Man, it's Spider-Man, but it's basically Spider-Man. There's multiple actors. And all of those actors are older than what a high school student is. They tried to pass off Tobey Maguire as a high school student, and they tried to pass off a 30-year-old Andrew Garfield as a high school student. And that is just, it was weird. And I liked to- I liked Andrew Garfield better than Tobey Maguire, but it was still just it just felt like there was something off. And so when Tom Holland came on the scene and Spider Man showed up in Civil War, yeah, there was a little bit of it that was corny, and maybe that was because of my brother. He he laughed a lot when Spider Man shows up in that first trailer and says, "Hey everyone," and I I got it. There's a couple of bits about Tom Holland where, but he's he's playing a high school kid, so he's supposed to be a little awkward, and I'm totally fine with that. So. Uh, when the movie came out, or when those movies came out again, they did really well, and everyone's like, okay, so what, what's up next? Because clearly Spider-Man has uh, a future in the MCU, and based off of the ending from Spider-Man Far From Home, there's some questions that still needed to be answered. So after that movie came out, and after that movie did really, really well, everyone was waiting on bated breath for them to say, yep, we're, you know, we're still sticking around. And all of a sudden, one day and I think this was about a month ago, maybe a little longer, uh, there came news that uh, Sony and Marvel were not coming to an agreement, that they couldn't come to a deal. And the the minutia of that is not important because the great news is they have now come to a deal. And so uh, 
I guess briefly, what happened was Marvel was co-producing this movie, but essentially they were making the movie for Sony, and uh, Marvel owns or gets the merchandising rights to Spider-Man. So any toys that are sold, anything like that goes to Marvel. Sony gets all the movie rights or the movie box office sort of thing. So the deal that was in place was that Sony would get 5% of the, or Marvel would get 5% of the first dollar gross and then all the, the merchandising revenue. Sony gets everything else in that. Regardless of what you believe, whether that's uh, Disney is a monopoly, Sony is completely stupid, whatever the case may be, 5% of the first dollar gross when you're making most of the movie is not a good deal. And Disney knew that, and I think Sony probably knew that too, and that's why they um, they were at odds for a while. And everyone was like, Sony, you're crazy. Why aren't you making this deal? And I get why Sony didn't want to make the deal. They thought that Mar- Marvel was their training wheels, essentially, for the last few years when it came to Spider-Man, guiding them along and making great movies for them. And Sony probably felt like, okay, you know what? They've made enough good movies. We can, we can make another movie on our own and that's kind of what they said in their in their release when they said it but they had said that disney wanted 50 percent of the profits now and that's why they said no which was only half true spider they were going to get 50 percent for giving 50 percent in terms of the investment into it whereas prior disney wasn't putting any money into it disney's now saying we'll pay 50 percent if we get 50 percent and so i think the deal fell through whatever today this morning Sony and Disney came to an agreement and so the new deal was signed last night and I'm this is it was broke by variety and I'm I'm literally just looking at their their article right now but so uh, negotiations involved the top players from both studios, including uh, Sony Pictures chief Tom Rothman, Kevin Feige, and Walt Disney Studios co-chairs Alan Horn and Alan Bergman, the Allens. And uh, in exchange for Feige producing, Marvel and Disney will receive roughly 25% of the profits for a 25% stake in the movie. Disney will retain the merchandising rights. And as part of the arrangement, Spider-Man will also appear in one future Marvel Studios film. So that is on top of, they're they're essentially coming to an agreement on another Spider-Man movie, along with one future MCU film where Spider-Man will be in it. Now, you can get into speculation about what that means for the future, and maybe I'll talk about that a little bit, but we'll stick with the present for right now. So that film is now scheduled to be released July 16th of 2021. Amy Pascal will also produce the movie through Pascal Pictures, as she did for the first two, and um, everyone seems really happy about it, but here's, here's where the interesting bits come in. So Kevin Feige said... I am thrilled that Spidey's journey in the MCU will continue, and I and all of us at Marvel Studios are very excited that we get to keep working on it. Spider-Man is a powerful icon and hero whose story crosses all ages and audiences around the globe. He also happens to be the only hero with the superpower to cross cinematic universes. So as Sony continues to develop their own Spideyverse, you never know what surprises the future might hold. And then uh, Amy Pascal was also super happy. She says, this is terrific. Peter Parker's story took a dramatic turn in Far From Home, and I could not be happier. We will all be working together as we see where his journey unfolds, or where his journey goes, is the quote. And so, um, as well, it looks like the uh, the chief communications officer of Sony, Robert Lawson, said, We have had a great collaboration over the last four years, and our mutual desire to continue was equal to that of many fans. We are delighted to be moving forward together. Well, I am happy. I am incredibly happy about this, and I'm not even going to bother talking about the exact opposite of what all these people said a month ago. Uh, because it was a very different conversation that they had. But in a world where time doesn't really exist, those things they said in the past don't really matter, because right now is all that matters. And right now, it sounds like everything is going to be okay. So for those of you who are worried about Sony ruining Spider-Man, and those who are worried that Sony would never come back to the, or Spider-Man would never come back to the MCU, or that Disney was being too stingy, well, none of that matters anymore. Everything is going to be a-okay. And uh, what I want to focus on, though, is these comments that Kevin Feige said. So I'm going to say it one more time. He says, uh, 
Um, Spider-Man is the only hero with the superpower to cross cinematic universes. What does that mean? Well, we can take into account the fact that Sony right now is the only studio that owns the rights to a Marvel character. Now, yes, Universal own, sort of owns the rights to the Incredible Hulk, and there's a there's a gray area about Namor, uh, but that's only in regards to uh, solo Hulk movies. So if Disney makes a solo Hulk movie, I think Universal gets first option to distribute that movie. So in a sense, Disney would not be able to distribute the movie Universal would, and they're not going to say no, right? It's a Hulk movie. But the way that uh, Marvel has gotten around that is if Hulk is in other superhero movies, if his name is not in the cover or in the title of the movie, then it doesn't count. And that's how they've been pulling it off, right? They got their first one with Universal with Incredible Hulk, and then he was in Avengers, Avengers, Thor, Avengers, Avengers. So he's in these other movies, and that's fine. So really, the only character in universe that does not work with Marvel is Spider-Man. So in a sense, what he's saying is that he's the only superhero that can be in two different universes at once, the MCU and the SUMC, which is the Sony Universe of Marvel Characters, which is just the Spider-Man universe, basically. Uh, and he says, you never, he says to develop their own Spideyverse, you never know what surprises the future might hold. That to me says that not only is Marvel going to knock it out of the park with this next movie? And I don't doubt that they will. But not only that, I think they're going to set Spider-Man up into a very interesting spot where they can just pass him back to Sony. Because based on this, it does not sound like they're going to get the rights back to Spider-Man. And they could. They very well could in the future. All of this is too early to tell. Again, I am just speculating right now. But when he says a phrase like this, what that means to me is that there are no plans for Spider-Man to come back to Disney, that it'll be a Sony property. <clears throat> Tom Holland can be in the Spider-Man universe at Sony, but he can also be in the Spider-Man universe in the MCU. And that then leads to the next question, which is how can you pull something like that off? Well, the easiest way to pull something like that off is to make a Spider-Verse movie. He's literally saying it right here, a Spideyverse movie. It's the same thing. And due to the success and critical acclaim of the uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that Sony did, I could easily see them in their quote-unquote infinite wisdom going, hey, this movie was really successful as an animated movie. Let's make it a live-action movie. Disney's doing the same thing with their animated movies and live-action movies. And Sony and most other studios don't get the whole waiting for, uh, you know, time to pass sort of thing. It's like, oh, let's make, let's, I mean, they're doing it with all the Spider-Man movies. Like, oh, Venom came out, it did really well, but was really badly received. We're going to make a sequel. Oh, but we're also going to make a uh, Black Cat and Silver Sable movie. Also, we're going to make a Morbius movie. Oh, now we're going to make a Madam Web movie. Now, granted, I really like Madam Web, and I could see that being a really interesting movie, but it just seems like Sony is, um, what's the word? It's not necessarily treading water, but they're struggling. They're struggling to figure out what it is that they want their universe to be and that's because they have nobody over there that knows what the universe should be they don't have a kevin feige or a victoria alonzo or a nate moore or a trin tran they don't have these people who love comic books and and i'm sure there are some there but just based on sony's track record they clearly haven't been helping out with these movies the only one close close in comparison is maybe avi arad because he's been producing all of the spider-man movie but i'm gonna go on record right now and say i do not like avi arad uh, I'm sure there's a very good possibility that he's a nice guy. I certainly haven't met him, nor do I really want to. But uh, in terms of him being a businessman, he is not a very good businessman. He's He has a lot of really weird ideas that have made a lot of really big mistakes for Sony. So with that aside, I agree, though, in this case, that if they were to choose to make a Spider-Verse live-action movie they could make a really good one and they could they could play off of the success of into the spider-verse hell they could that could be the sequel to spider-man into the spider-verse could be 
you know, the, the sequel to it, I don't even know what the title would be, but you could have your Miles Morales, you could have your your Peter Parker from that universe, the adult Peter Parker, whatever, but then you could have the Marvel, the MCU Spider-Man shows up, the live-action Spider-Man, and maybe all of those other characters come out into the real world, so you get, I think it was Shameik Moore who played uh, Miles, you could have him play Miles in, in the movie, that would be totally fine, you could pull that off the same thing with... Uh, I guess you couldn't do Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy because she's playing a Hawkeye, or yeah, Hawkeye in the, the new series, but the new Disney Plus series. But again, that stuff, this is so far down the road, but just the fact of this, it, it, it gives this, it sort of spreads this whole, it's going to be okay over this whole situation. Because after everything happened last month, I, I, I'm on some chat groups and it was nothing but negativity for the entire last month ranging from Sony sucks to Marvel sucks to Disney sucks to this sucks life sucks the world sucks and um that's just not the that's not I certainly that's not the life I want to live and I I was lucky because I don't care that I I care a lot about this sort of stuff but I don't care about that sort of stuff I don't care I would have cared if there was a Spider-Man movie in production and something happened and that movie no longer got made the thing that breaks my heart is the what could be when we know there's something that should be and a good example of that is when um, James Gunn got fired from uh, Disney due to those comments he had from 10 years ago and uh, he had made his two Guardians movies and he had openly and publicly said that he has a very specific idea in mind for this third Guardians movie that would wrap up his trilogy and make it this perfect sort of thing. Regardless of how the film performs, um, when he got fired, that was the only thing really that was on my mind besides that that was something I didn't agree with. I don't I don't think he should have gotten fired for that. But uh, I was thinking to myself, well, that sucks. It doesn't matter who makes the next Guardians movie. Everyone is going to be wondering how they're going to compare it immediately to James Gunn's Guardians of like, yeah, this Guardians 3 was really good, but is it as good as it would have been if James Gunn had made the movie? And luckily, just like this, in that case, he got rehired before anything like that happened. And so those fears got put to rest. And the same thing is with this Sony movie. Sony gets the rights back to Spider- or keeps Spider-Man, doesn't make a movie with uh, Disney. And we are left with those giant question marks from the end of Far From Home, uh, and I won't I won't spoil that here if any of you haven't seen it yet. But you, if you have, you know what I'm talking about. Both of the end credit scenes. If Sony had kept the movie, the big question was, how are you going to deal with that sort of stuff? Not just as a movie, but also as an MCU movie, because there's a lot of things that happen in there that are because of the MCU, and presumably they wouldn't have been able to reference those sort of things. And yeah, maybe they would have made a really good movie, but there would have been a cloud over that movie for, oh, this is a good movie, but is it as good as it would have been had Disney helped in making it? And now, just like with James Gunn, we don't have to worry about that anymore. We're going to know what it is because they're going to get to make this next movie. And honestly, most movies I think are perfect in a trilogy standpoint. I am very excited to stand corrected on Thor Love and Thunder because that's a fourth movie and I think that's going to be really good. But when you're talking in terms of stories, I think I could easily see Marvel pulling off a great sort of end cap to Spider-Man in the MCU in this last movie that would be really good and then they get their one more of him joining in some future Avengers or Young Avengers movie or you know some completely different name like the Champions or whatever that is so much better because then when they're done with that Marvel can say you know what we had our fun with him we we told the story we wanted to tell and again this was these were comments that Kevin Feige had made after this deal didn't go through saying we told the story we wanted to tell and whatnot and it's like okay no you didn't you clearly were setting something up at the end and you wanted to get that finished so Marvel can now finish their story and Sony's going to reap the benefits of it as well and then they can they can hand that over to Sony and say, you know what, we've done it. The fans the fans are aware that we are giving this movie back to you, and you can now do whatever you want. Or 
maybe they they come up with another deal and they say you know what we're we're just going to let you have it or or they buy the rights back or whatever something happens again that is so far down the road because this spider-man movie is coming out in 2021 which is two years away it's almost a little less than two years away because it comes out in july but still it's two years away so What I had told people when I initially saw this was great. You guys can now breathe a sigh of relief for the next two years. You do not have to worry about anything MCU related now because literally the only question mark for the MCU after they bought Fox was what's up with Spider-Man. And now we know what's up with Spider-Man for at least two years and maybe one more movie after that. So we can all breathe a sigh of relief. We can all go... And, uh, so that's, that's it. That's really all that I have to say on the matter. I'm really happy about it. It made for a really awesome Friday for me. It was literally the first like bit of news that I read for the day and then, um, got to chat with it with a bunch of people and hear some really great opinions on it and some really great thoughts on it. So I'm, I'm really excited for the future of Spider-Man now and I am refreshed and relieved. So Now, after that, I'm going to discuss a couple of movies that I saw this week. So, in the words of uh, what some might say is one of the best Spider-Men, now dig on this. The movies that I saw this week were, and I'm pulling up my ratings right now, but it was Rosemary, oh, Between Two Ferns, the movie, Rosemary's Baby, Next and Satan's Little Helper. So I'm going to give you a quick little, you know, telling of each of these movies and let you know uh, which one of these to check out to avoid all that good stuff. So first up, Between Two Ferns, the movie. This is a brand new movie that came out a couple weeks ago on Netflix. It's a Netflix exclusive, and it's only an hour and 22 minutes. It's so fast. And if you have seen the Between Two Ferns uh, web series that's on Funny or Die, and you enjoy that series, see this movie because this movie is so funny. It's hilarious. Like the it not only is it a bunch more interviews that Zach Galifianakis does, but it it's got a cohesive story that's actually a really cool story. So besides Zach, the movie also is has uh, and I, I guess I'm gonna scroll through this whole thing because there's a lot of really good interviews in here. So Matthew McConaughey's in it and does an awesome one. Uh, who's Olivia Mcdara and Rekha Shankar? I don't know who they play. There's also Mosey Loft. I think those may have been some of the assistants. But also shout out to Gabriel Gundacker who is in it very briefly. But he's one of our family's like favorite comedians. He's a, a Twitter and Vine guy. But he he had a little bit in it. And uh, it looks like they're they're gonna make me scroll to try and find these other people because oh yeah yeah, yeah. so they got some bits with Bruce Willis. Uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, Will Ferrell plays Will Ferrell in the movie and does a great job. There's a great interview with uh, Chance the Rapper. Lauren Lapkus is in this as uh, Zach's assistant, and she's also incredibly funny. And then uh, Rashida Jones, Adam Scott, John Cho, Sh- Jason Schwartzman, um, Bobby Tidsdale, Brie Larson, David Letterman's thing was absolutely hilarious. Paul Rudd was in it and was great. Chrissy Teigen was really good. John, oh, the whole Chrissy Teigen and John Legend thing in here was just, it was probably one of my favorite parts in it because that one was so good. John Hams was great. Uh, Haley Steinfeld was in it. Aquafina was in it. Tiffany Haddish. I mean, guys, this is a this is a murderer's row of great. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was in it. Tessa Thompson. So there's a lot of MCU uh, Marvel Marvel characters in this movie and. Zach makes fun of all of them in the best way. And what's funny too is getting to see my brother laugh at those because he would, uh, he made so much fun of like Marvel in general for being like a big, you know, a big Disney conglomerate sort of thing. And so my brother liked that. Peter Dinklage was in it. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins. Gal Gadot was in it as well. And uh, yeah, there may have been some other ones too. But the movie was written and directed by Scott Ackerman, who is from. Oh, what show is that? It's uh, he plays uh, between two ferns. It's not between two ferns though. It's some other. It's another show that he does that's really really funny. Uh, it's not funnier. Dad presents either. Come on, birthday boys. No, children's hospital. Shark Dill. I'm gonna scream if I don't know what this is because I used to watch that show too. This is crazy. It 
Oh, there it is. Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, Comedy Bang Bang is really funny, too. So Scott Ackerman, who uh, my favorite Comedy Bang Bang episode was when his name was listed as Hot Soccer Mom. He does. A, he's not even in the movie, but the, the movie itself is just great. So I, I really enjoyed it. And again, it's a free watch if you have Netflix. So check it out and enjoy laughing uh, throughout the entire film. The whole premise of the movie is um, Zach is he has the opportunity to get to be on his own network show because apparently Will Ferrell paid to have him on Funny or Die because he says everyone loves laughing at Zach Galifianakis and that's why uh, he has his own show. And so he's like, I'm sick of people laughing at me. I want my own show. And so Will Ferrell says, all right, if you get me 10 interviews in the next two weeks, I will give you your own show. But he can't schedule them, so he has to like drive around the U.S. to meet with these people. And so it's like, like Tessa Thompson and uh, all of those other characters are all the interviews that he does and they're all just they're so funny like they're so good they're insane like if you again if you loved his prior stuff if you've loved anything that Zach Galifianakis has done if you love Tim and Eric this is it just has a lot of that same feel to it next up Rosemary's Baby this one's a classic this was on our film fest list for the year for me and my brother and my cousin and so we were watching this one this, in my opinion, is one of the greatest horror movies of all time, and uh, I love this movie. It's directed by Roman Polanski and written by Ira Levin, uh, who wrote the novel, but the screenplay was also by Roman Polanski, and it's just, it's, this movie is a master class in suspense and a master class in, uh, it's just, it's actually, when you think about it, it's a really good movie about sort of the female experience and especially in a time like we're in right now with the me too movement and all of that stuff this was essentially a me too movie before there ever was a me too movie and it's just set to a horror f- thing so if you've never seen this movie what ha- what the movie is about is uh, mia farrow plays rosemary woodhouse and her i'll just give a shout out to a couple of other people john casavides plays her husband guy woodhouse and then uh, Minnie Castavet is played by Ruth Gordon, and Roman Castavet is played by Sydney Blackmer. And then there's a couple of other characters in here. But so Mia Farrow, it's the main; she's the main character, and her and her husband move into a a new apartment complex. Her and she's kind of a stay-at-home. She's about to be a stay-at-home mom, I, I suppose. She doesn't really work, but her husband is an actor. And so they move into this apartment complex, and those other two people, uh, Minnie and Roman Castavet, they are uh, the neighbors in this apartment complex. And so a bunch of weird, like little weird things throughout their time there as they're slowly starting to get into know their neighbors and a couple of other people. And her husband eventually starts taking a shine to the neighbors as well. And the neighbors are weird. They're, they're a little uncomfortable, in my opinion, because they're an old couple, and you've got that experience of... The, Mia Farrow's this young couple and these people are always wanting to like hang out and they're always recommending like special drinks and tinctures and stuff like that and it's like look leave me alone like can you please just leave me alone and let me live my life especially once she gets pregnant so what happens is she gets pregnant her and her husband were trying to have a baby and she gets pregnant but in the process of her getting pregnant she has this really weird dream that she's being impregnated by Satan and uh, that all these people, including her husband, are standing around her performing this ritual. And in this day and age, when you watch the movie, even if you watch it for the first time, you're like, oh, shit, that's what's, that's what's going on. Like, that's what's happening in the movie. But I could see maybe in, in back in the day watching that and going like, ooh, you know, is she, is she kind of going crazy? Maybe it was a dream. And what happens then is the rest of the movie, the entire rest of the movie, is it is as if the movie and everyone in it is trying to make Mia Farrow seem like she is going crazy, absolutely crazy. So whether you want to call it gaslighting or just, you know, ruining her life or calling her a liar or saying that they don't believe her, like I said, this is a very Me Too type movie where everyone is calling her crazy and she keeps getting these intuitions and feelings that she isn't crazy that something really bad happened to her and something really bad is going to happen to her baby 
and uh, I'm going to go into spoilers in this because, again, this movie is from 1968, and it's also it's 2 hours and 17 minutes, so you feel that suspense because it builds that entire time. But eventually, sort of like she's got a doctor that she goes to see, and eventually the neighbors uh, recommend the quote-unquote best doctor around who also is like part of this cult. And uh, so she starts losing weight and all this weird stuff. And her friend, like her old guy friend from where they used to live, comes by to visit her and is like, what the hell happened to you? And she's like, oh, this is normal. They all said that this is normal sort of thing. And so he ends up messaging her at some point and is like, hey, I need to speak to you ASAP. Like, you're not crazy, basically. And so they set up a time to meet. But before they meet, he dies mysteriously and she's like you've got to be kidding me and then all these other weird situations start happening with her husband and all this stuff and so by the end of it she uh she tries to get her old doctor to help her but her old doctor calls dr saperstein who's her new doctor the quote-unquote best doctor around who's also super like you're going crazy we're going to send you to a mental institute because you're wrong and so at the very end she ends up giving birth and they're like she gives birth and and they kind of knock her out, but they go, oh, we're really sorry you lost the baby. They're like, well, we'll try it again next time. And she's like, no, that's crazy. Like that is complete horse hockey. Like absolutely not. My baby's alive. Where is it? She starts like hearing the baby crying. And so you're like, oh man, this, I mean, I'm getting chills just talking about it. It's that suspenseful. And so obviously at the very end of it, she sneaks into her neighbor's room and who is there but her husband, the neighbors, the doctor, literally like all the people you've seen throughout the movie, all wearing like cloaks. Some of them are just wearing regular clothes, but they're all standing around a very black crib where apparently Satan's child is sitting. And they, that's like the scariest part of the movie in a sense, because they're like, do you want to see your baby? And she, it's like, didn't you just tell her that the baby is dead and died and now you're just telling her this is her baby and they're like so what are you gonna do you're gonna abandon your baby as like as a mother would would you choose to do that you can choose to raise her and so then by the end of the movie she kind of just essentially like loses her mind and that's sort of the end of the movie but it is just such a good movie so if it's if you like horror movies and you like classic movies and you like just overall i mean in a sense if you like oscar winning movies because this is an oscar winning movie uh, and I don't agree with this, but it was given to Ruth Gordon, the uh, old lady neighbor, and uh, for best uh, actress in a supporting role. But yeah, no, this is a, it's just a really good movie. It's a good mystery movie too. So if you haven't seen it, you know, get, get on the train and, and go watch it. Next up is a movie that you shouldn't see, which is Next with uh, Nicolas Cage. This movie was directed by Lee Tamahori and written by Gary Goldman, Jonathan Hensley, Paul Birnbaum, Gary Goldman, based on the novel by Philip K. Dick. So here's what I'm going to say about this movie, because I, I'm a huge Nicolas Cage fan. I love Nicolas Cage. I loved him in Mandy. I loved him in the National Treasure movies. And he was even okay in like The Rock, which is kind of a eh, movie, but um, and there's some other ones I, I'm gonna I can pull up his little IMDb profile, but I've, I've I'm trying to see as many of his movies as I can. He was great in Lord of War, and uh, oh, he was in Spider Verse. That's right, and he also played Superman in Teen Titans movie, which was great. He's just he's a very honestly he's a very crazy and weird guy, and that's why I like him so much. Is he's just he's my kind of crazy, and so I know based off of what people have told me and what I've seen that. Not every movie that he makes is gold. And that's okay because you know he's the kind of guy where I'm pretty sure he owns like dinosaur bones and some other really weird stuff. So it's like he's got to get money somehow to pay for all this. So he takes like all the gigs that he can. Um, his filmography is uh, actor. He's been an actor based on IMDb. He's got nine upcoming projects and 94 acting credits, which is a lot. That's awesome. So... Um, this movie, along with him, stars Julianne Moore, Jessica Biel, Thomas Kretschmann, and uh, who is there anyone else even in here who is worth mentioning? Um, no. So the movie's premise and the movie's premise and sort of story, no, no, not the story, just the premise, is really cool. He is a Las Vegas magician who can see into the future. So he says, I can't see very far into the future. I can only see 
two minutes into the future. And it's typically when he like looks at somebody or feels the energy of somebody, he can sense what they're going to do in the next two minutes. And so like the opening scene of this movie is really cool because it kind of establishes what his power is. But then as the movie goes on, it just consistently gets worse and worse and worse to the point where I give this movie a four out of 10. And to me, as I get lower in the scores, and I don't think I've ever gone over this with you guys before, but so my scoring is if I give a movie a 10, that is a masterpiece. That is the is one of the greatest movies of all time in my eyes. There's nothing wrong with that movie or maybe, you know, one thing wrong, but I can forgive it because it's it's perfect in my eyes. A nine is an incredible movie that, um, and, and that's like the world I'll use. It's incredible. And it, uh, it may have like one or two things that, or maybe there's one piece about the movie that I didn't like, something that actually, you know, I, I can't get past. And then an eight is great. An eight is a great. And that one's easy because if I watch a movie and I know that it's not something, you know, incredible or amazing or perfect, but I loved it anyway, that's usually going to get me an eight. A seven is a good movie. And that's a movie that I enjoyed, but typically don't really plan on seeing again. But if I were to see it again, I'd be totally fine with it. A six is all right. That is a movie that's just a okay, a little less than good, but still kind of enjoyed it. It's 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 nearing the bad stuff. A five is not good. A five is a movie that I either expected to be better than a five, or one way or another, I just something about it I didn't like, and I get mad about it when I'm in the movie. Like uh, I'm trying to think of a recent five I, I gave, but it's essentially like, oop, I was really hoping to give that movie a six or a seven, but it kind of got me mad. And then a four is an, a really bad movie, but a movie that oftentimes is like a really funny movie to watch where it's like, yeah, it's so bad, it's funny. And then a three, and I, now I got to kind of go to my list because there's just very specific movies as we get down to the lower, the lower stations. But a three is a movie that is just genuinely terrible. Like I did not like it at all. There's nothing redeeming about it. I didn't enjoy it. And um, there's nothing funny about it either. It's just kind of dumb. And then a two is is the the inverse of that, an incredibly terrible movie that's also funny. So like a, a four and a two are similar to a three and a five in in those pieces. And then a one is a a one is a to be given a one. Something very special has to happen when I'm watching those movies. Uh, and just so you can see, um, the ones that I've given recently are Holmes and Watson, Biodome. Amy Schumer, The Leather Special, Mega Shark vs. Crocosaurus, Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House, Thanks Killing. And uh, so this was a four. So, um, yeah, so it, it just, as an example, I was like, oh, this movie looks like it could probably be good. And literally the next scene is him saying that he's obsessed with Jessica Beale's character and he's trying to find a way to approach her and talk to her. So there's a question of if he's actually been stalking her because apparently he says, I can see two minutes into the future except for Jessica Beale. He saw her like a long time ago in his head. And so he's like, he's trying to figure out why she is different. Like, why is she special? And the scene is him in a diner and she walks in and is sitting down and he goes to talk to her and she says something like, uh, you're creepy, you need to leave. And then it shows that that was actually him seeing two minutes into the future and he's like, oh, that technique didn't work. So he goes and tries another technique in his in his uh, two-minute future and he does it like four times and each time he just comes off as super slimy and really rude. And then at some point her boyfriend comes in and he like, tries to act cool around her with the boyfriend and that he literally has to try like seven times for her to notice or like him and what he ends up settling on is letting the boyfriend punch him so that he looks like the victim and she's like oh my god I'm so sorry and then he plays it off as he's never met her and to me that just didn't sit right with me I was like that is just a really bad message to send like okay if somebody is not showing interest in you keep trying like keep trying that's the time we live in right like keep being keep being obnoxious and rude to women when you're trying to pick them up in a diner like regardless of the fact that she is meant to be with him it was just a really weird way to do it uh same with uh the julian moore's character she was not she like it was i felt really bad for her too she just did not have a lot to work with and the whole premise of the story like i said i was like oh maybe the story was good no 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 so the story 
is is that that's his power but the story is that he's being pursued by fbi agents julianne moore and her team to use his abilities to prevent a nuclear terrorist attack that storyline is just bad from the get-go because they're like we need your help and he's like i don't want to do it and it's like that's the story right that's the story he either says yes or no and then that's it there's not like they're not they're not the bad guys. There's no good guy or bad guy. They just need his help. And what's even crazier is by the very end of the movie, the very, very, very end, and this is actually, I really liked it, but I was still like, God, this movie sucked, was uh, they lose. He he ends up going, finally, like after some pushing and prodding and threatening and blackmailing, he's like, fine, I'll help you do this. And so at the very end of the movie, they're like, can you stop it? Like the doot, 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 like the timer's going down. He goes, I made a mistake. He goes, oh, I I made a mistake. We lost. And they're like, what? And then the entire world blows up. And then he wakes up. And in a sense, the entire movie was his dream from that moment of her. And so then he like wakes up and calls the lady and says, I'm in, I'll help you. Because the thought was, if he had just helped them sooner, he would have been able to figure out where they were. So he just calls her and says, I'm ready to help you. And that that's the end of the movie. And it was like, you have got to be kidding me. But like I said, it's, in terms of a concept, it was cool. It was a cool concept. The delivery was just absolutely terrible. So uh, like I said, if you enjoyed my telling of it, that's about as good as it's going to get unless you really want to see him, uh, Nicolas Cage, act like a really creepy magician. And then uh, the the final movie that I saw this week was another one of our Fall Fest movies or Halloween Fest movies, and that's Satan's Little Helper. And I saw this movie, we actually all watched this movie um, years ago, I think when we were in college, and it was, we really liked it. Like, it was one of those really weird indie-type movies that uh, you don't really expect to be good, and it ended up being really good in our eyes. And I gave this movie a six. And so again, that's because the movie's actually really bad, but it's a really good movie too. It's so hard to explain. So this movie is, it's uh, written and directed by Jeff Lieberman. And you guys probably don't know who this person is. They haven't really done anything. I mean, they've done a couple of things, but uh, it's it's a whole list of no-namers. So it it's a, it centers around a family. It's a little boy named Alexander or named Douglas and has a sister named Jenna. And their mom is Meryl. And uh, the mom is played by Amanda Plummer, who is actually the daughter of Christopher Plummer. And I didn't know that until after the movie this time when I looked it up. Uh, And then Douglas is played by a no-name Alexander Brickle. And Jenna Woolley is played by Catherine Winnick, who actually went on to do some things. She was in Polar, 50 First Dates. She was in Vikings uh, most recently. And... uh, and then her boyfriend, Alex, who's played by Stephen Graham, and it looks like he's also a one-off character. But this the situation is, and the story it says here on IMDb is, a naive young boy unknowingly becomes the pawn of a serial killer. And that is what... Yeah, and honestly, the I'm looking at a user review right now. It just says, stellar premise, uneven results. And that's exactly what this movie is, 100%. So it starts out like the the, the film quality is bad. It feel, Some of it looks like it's on found footage. Some of it doesn't. Like the cameras switch in their quality in this one spot if you watch it when they're on the train station. And I'll point this out to you too. If you have an Amazon Prime membership, this movie is free on there. And I honestly would recommend you seeing it because the premise is good. So he's... It's Halloween, and this kid Douglas is playing this game, and the game is called Satan's Little Helper. It's like on a handheld device, and you are Satan's little helper, and you like help Satan knock people over. And it's almost like the old Simpsons arcade game where it's a it's a side scroller and things happen. So like he's like lifting up trash cans to throw at people, kicking babies out of their cribs, all this sort of stuff. And each thing that he does, you get points for. And eventually you're like, oh, you're Satan. And and so it's really funny because the conversations that he has with his mom, like, is is Satan real? And she's like trying to explain it to him and all this stuff. He's like, I want to kill God. And it's like really funny because the kid is a really bad actor. But the way that he acts is really, really, really funny. And so the whole premise is they are going to pick up his sister from school, his sister that he has a crush on and wants to marry, which is incredibly creepy and weird, but also plays off as really funny for some reason. But so they come from school, her and her boyfriend, and they're all getting ready to go trick-or-treating. And he kind of walks outside and notices this, this guy in a costume. And this is where things pick up because... 
it's so weird. This movie is not, this is like, I don't think this movie was even released in theaters. Like it's that kind of budget of a movie. But this guy is dressed in like a weird suit with this demon mask on. And the first scene we see him is he's setting a dead body up on a bench on someone's house. The the premise being that he just killed this person and is making it look like they're a decoration on the house. And Douglas is watching him like with wide-eyed excitement. And the guy kind of walks away and then he follows him and the guy goes to another house and kills another person, like stabs him in the chest with a knife and sets them out in their yard. Uh, And they had like a graveyard out in the yard, like a fake graveyard. And he sets the guy out by a graveyard, like sets a gravestone in front of him and puts like some dirt on him. So it looks like he's, uh, you know, it's fake. And he's like, are you Satan? And he, he like nods and he's like, can I be your little helper? And he like nods. And so the whole rest of the movie is him like helping this serial killer commit crimes. And what is so crazy is we never find out who the serial killer is. And there's a there's a news bulletin that kind of comes out at one point in the movie that there was this this young kid who got off for arson. And so they think it's this guy because this guy eventually ends up, it ends up getting into complete just insanity by the end of it. So he like, and I, I'm honestly not even going to spoil it. I'll spoil one thing. He tells this guy, he goes, ah, he goes, I, do you want to come stay with me in hell? And he's like, he like looks at him and it's like the basement of their house. He lets the serial killer down there. And he says, I want you to kill my sister's boyfriend so I can marry my sister. I don't think he says it that way, but he's basically saying like, I want to go trick or treating with my sister and her, his boyfriend's in the way. Can you please kill him? And so that's like one of the things. And then there's just an insane scene with like his dad. He like try he, oh my God. And I don't, I don't want to go into it because I'm, like I said, that whole piece of the movie is genuinely terrifying and really upsetting to watch because it's played off as a joke, but it's really, really, really sad. Like it's so sad and it's so hilarious how stupid this kid is. He is so dumb. Like he is incredibly dumb and to the detriment of everyone around him, to the point where by the end of the movie, the whole town is rioting because this guy has killed the entire police force. And it's a small town of like five police officers, they make a point to explain. But it's just, it's nuts. It's so nuts because it's it's this duality between the family who are all horrible actors and this serial killer who we never see his face, only that he's got this mask on. And he is so scary because he never talks. He never, he doesn't get to act. He's just acting like Satan. And it's crazy. It's it's really unsettling. And that's why I enjoy watching this movie so much is just that whole, the idea that you can make a movie on a very small budget and on very poor quality with poor acting and still come out to be a semi-decent movie with some really scary elements to the movie so i would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this one because i don't think a lot of people have seen this movie and it's for good reason again there's not a lot like there are some very very cringy parts in this when like the mom is explaining certain things or trying to be funny or or like it's so hard to explain, but there's so many scenes in the movie where it's just like, oh my God, oh my God, can you please just, can we move to the next scene? Why is it linger on this? Oh my God. And literally like that. So, I mean, if you're even cringing at me saying it that way, it's even worse in this movie, but it's worth it to, especially as like a late midnight movie, it's worth it because the serial killer piece of it was so messed up and in a way really good. It's, it's the same as like the Joker where the Joker is so terrible of a person, but that movie is probably going to be really, really, really good. Uh, and certainly this movie shouldn't even be compared to the Joker. It's not even in the same category as the Joker, but just in that same sense of uh, of uh, scary and messed up sort of thing. So those are the movies that I saw. I was going to see uh, Ad Astra tonight, but we're actually, we may try and go see that this weekend. And then I will tell you guys, I did reserve my Joker tickets uh, for a Joker screening. We're going to be going on um, next Saturday morning. And for those of you that don't know, I, and I, I, my very quick thoughts on the Joker, I live in Colorado 
and I went to the midnight screening of The Dark Knight Rises. I did not go to the Aurora Theater where the shooting took place, but I was in a movie theater at midnight when that shooting took place. Actually, I, I don't really remember where I was on 9-11. I remember I was at school, but that's all I remember is that I was at school and then we got to go home. But I remember very vividly what happened that day. So I, I went and saw The Dark Knight Rises, incredible movie, went home, passed out because we saw it at midnight and I woke up the next morning to go to uh, I was at an internship at Target at that time and I woke when I woke up in the morning I woke up to like seven missed calls from my mom and all these text messages from people asking if I was okay and then even when I went into work because it was weird we had like a meeting it was a meeting day where we were meeting with people and that was literally all anyone could talk about was like, oh my God, did you, you know, were you affected sort of thing? And it was, it was scary. And it, it, uh, it didn't hinder my ability to go to the movies because that night that was, so that was on a Thursday night. And then that Friday, uh, me and my brother and my friend went and saw the movie again in, uh, at a different theater and there were police officers at that theater and all that stuff. And so I, I understand that piece of it, but I also understand the piece that that guy and I'm not going to say his name, but that guy was uh, not trying to be the Joker. And that movie does not have the Joker in it at all. He was not dressed as the Joker. The only thing was that his hair was dyed red. He was just a psycho. And uh, so nothing about it. And he even admitted that nothing he was doing was in regards to the Joker. Yet for some reason, everyone is tying this movie into him, sort of, but also into this whole a thing that, oh, this movie is going to incite violence. Well, guess what, guys? If you keep talking about it, it's pro- it may happen. There's a chance that it'll happen if you keep talking about it and you keep putting that out into the universe. Why not just make this a positive experience and appreciate this movie for what it is and not for what you think it will be because you haven't seen the movie, but with all of that in consideration, my brother and I did not want to go see this movie opening night on Thursday um, or even on Friday, we just said, I would rather go see this movie in the morning. Um, just so that I don't even have to worry about that sort of stuff. Because ever since that time, I certainly don't let that sort of stuff dictate. And obviously it is dictating it at this point. And I, but I don't let it dictate me stopping going to the movies. Um, I have a, I wouldn't want to say I have a weird brain, but there have been a lot of times where I've been in a movie theater and I've seen someone out of the corner of my eye, walk in late to the movie and like sit down in the row at the very end of the row next to me and I get really creeped out when that sort of stuff happens and then the whole rest of the movie I'm just wondering like what I'm gonna do in that sort of situation how I can get out of the theater all of this stuff that somebody and nobody should ever have to think about or talk about but unfortunately that's the reality that we live in so I would rather just go see it in the morning and so that's that's what we're gonna do so I will be seeing that movie next weekend we're very excited to go see it and uh, I will have a review up for that but in between there aren't really any other movies that I'm trying to go see right now Judy came out this is coming out this weekend uh, if you want to see Renee Zellweger try and get an Oscar try to get her movie an Oscar at some point. I don't know. I'm not interested in that movie. And also Abominable, the animated movie, which I also have no interest in seeing. But uh, both of those movies are out. So if those are things that are interested, check it out. Otherwise, that is where I'm going to wrap things up on this edition of Comics and Cinema. So my name is Alex Klein. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you at the movies. (laughs) 